Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Baptist Sondland was a key player in efforts to um, obtain a commitment from Ukraine to investigate a bogus conspiracy theory about the 2016 election, as well as um, Joe Biden and his son. We've got a, a lot of magic work out there, a lot of magicians, sleight of hand. We've got a, a lot of distraction for an easily moved and distracted society. And we've got a false premise all over the place. Adam Schiff, as they continue to attempt to wag the dog by distracting you from the bigger story. So he'll speak about the conspiracy. The, I mean, the, the, how crazy is it that uh, you would have people that were involved in some uh, conspiracy theory back in 2016? This is serious business with the president. One real quick observation, and for anyone in your life that you might come across that wants to travel down the Adam Schiff path of conspiracy theory about Ukraine, about the entire groundwork of the deep state. Ask them how we magically ended up with a narrative of Trump-Russia collusion. Where did that come from? Euler? Uh, anybody? I mean, they came from somewhere, right? It came from somewhere that you ended up having people that happened to be involved with that conspiracy that were involved in informing the president of the United States or the president-elect at the time in the case of James Comey, later the president of the United States, uh, that, hey, uh, you should actually go ahead and fire your FBI director because he'd done bad things. And then that same person would end up recommending a special prosecutor to investigate what? Trump-Russia collusion. So, again, where did that come from? It didn't just magically poof out of thin air. So conspiracy, yes. Unfounded, no. And uh, this is where it's important to discuss a couple of concepts, the premise and facts. And uh, I am Brian Mudd, your friend, hanging out in uh, South Florida. And for the great one, Mark Levin, this evening, uh, Mark will be back with you tomorrow observing Yom Kippur. Now, if you are familiar with my work, I establish the premise. Because if the premise of anything is false, anything built upon it will be too. And I will tell you that there are two sides to stories, but just one side to facts. And facts are more important today than they've ever been. Because, man, are they in short supply when you hear what's coming out of Congress, when you hear what's coming out of Adam Schiff's mouth. Yeah, he gets it right about half the time. I mean, that is, you know, you got to give him credit for that. It's just that other half, details, right? Now, and, and talking about facts and how we got here in the first place. Don't you find it interesting that Andrew McCabe was recommended for indictment and magically within a matter of days, you have this entire whistleblower thing that comes out? Now think about this for a moment. I um, put out a story 
on September 13th. And by the way, I uh, hosted the Morning Rush, WJNO West Palm Beach, and the Brian Mudd Show, WIOD in Miami, and uh, guest contributor at Fox News Channel and the BBC, which, by the way, credit to the BBC because they're biased whatever else. They at least are still interested in journalism, which is more than I can say for most of the major U.S. outlets. So kudos to them. Um, now, put out the story September 13th, and uh, the headline to my story, Andrew McCabe's just the first shoe to drop. Now, I walked back through a lot of my research, and if you have had an opportunity to listen to me, guest hosting for The Great One over the course of time, you'll know that going all the way back to February 2nd of 2018, when we had the Nunes memo drop, I produced what I call my 30-count indictment, identifying all of the deep state actors involved in the conspiracy that led to the entire Trump-Russia collusion narrative. All the folks involved with the Steele dossier, the planting of those stories in news media, the lamest of all, by the way. I mean, Yahoo News and Mother Jones, by God. And then also the FISA warrant request when Donald Trump was a candidate, when he was president-elect, and then when he was president. Now, during the course of this entire process, I kept moving the story forward and, and working with it and working with it. And so I did a series of stories around the beginning of this year about William Barr, Attorney General, and you know, my, my summation was that he wasn't coming back to this particular post because he was really bored and he wanted his old job back and, uh, hey, just want to put my feet up on my old desk. He knew damn well what he's getting himself into. I mean, this is a paramount time in American history. And I fully believe that he wanted to bring justice back to justice. And he wanted to restore uh, an actual institution of integrity with our intelligence agencies and the State Department. And so that's where this has all been building. Then when you take a look at the March 25th, day after the dropping of the Mueller report, a couple things were interesting. The first was Rod Rosenstein, who happened to be involved with this entire process. Rod Rosenstein was one of the folks who signed off on a FISA warrant request, completely knowledgeable of the creation of the Steele dossier and all of the groundwork that laid the Trump-Russia collusion conspiracy. That was bought and paid for by the Democratic National Committee, Hillary Clinton's Presidential Committee, gone through uh, the, the payments done through the now-defunct law firm that worked for both of them. That entire – Ron Rosenstein was in on it. Now, what was fascinating about it is that he was still there on that stage with William Barr and standing behind Barr's assertion that there was nothing there, nothing in the Mueller report, and we're done. Now – that particular moment in time, it was fascinating because why would he suddenly be cooperating when he was actually involved in laying the groundwork? And he was actually the one who recommended the special prosecutor. He recommended Mueller in the first place, right? Well, okay. Thought here. Sounds like somebody who's cooperating because he knows that his butt's on the line, okay? So that's important because you got to have people when you're talking about – Actors at the highest level of the intelligence agencies that were involved in this entire plot in the first place. Uh, folks like John Brennan, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, Sally Yates, Bruce Orr, Dana Bonetta. Then civilians that were part of the conspiracy as well. Christopher Steele, Nellie Orr, who happened to be working with Christopher Steele at Fusion GPS, who, yes, the wife of Deputy Attorney General Bruce Orr, along with the DNC and Hillary Clinton's campaign, all right? So think about this for a moment. Rod was in on that, signed off on the FISA warrant request, knew everything that was going on, put Mueller in place. And then he's there on that stage with 
William Barr. That, to me, was the first sign that William Barr was really making progress in his investigation, already at that stage. Now, at that point, I laid out a narrative. This going one of two ways. William Barr says, you know what? I'm just going to take things up behind the scenes here and move on. Or he was going to get down to business. And there would be a comprehensive investigation, and he would do his level best to bring justice back to justice and to hold people accountable to the extent that he's able to do so. And lo and behold, what did we see? A series of those steps happening. Now, what's important in the construct of this conversation is around this time, what's interesting in this whistleblower, who wasn't a witness, can I get a witness? Well, yes, the second whistleblower is actually the witness which brought about the initial whistleblower who wasn't a witness. That's fascinating unto itself. And by the way, all highly illegal because it was leaking classified information without going through the proper channels of the IG in the first place. But I digress. We've got a lot of people that have broken the law here. Now, when you have the whistleblower, the one that actually uh, came out that was the second whistleblower, timeline in that report was interesting to me. said that in mid-May, there were multiple U.S. officials that were deeply concerned. Now, why is that timeline interesting? Well, that timeline is interesting because that was about the time that, what, Congress realized, you know what, we cannot get anywhere on impeachment based upon more. It, we're, we're, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, there would be a lot of reason for a lot of people to be deeply concerned in intelligence agencies, right? A lot of people to be deeply concerned in the Justice Department, especially former officials, right? A lot, lot to lose there. So that timeline was interesting unto itself. And then this was the other little thing about that whole whistleblower deal. Walking back to the Andrew McCabe story, just the first shoot to drop, September 13th that I put out. I didn't know that within a matter of days we were going to have this whole whistleblower thing. That would be impeachment palooza part two this year. I just knew that something else was coming. Because in any other universe where we have an honest media rather than a godless, soulless, slanderous news media, where the most pervasive form of bias within it is omission of information. Andrew McCabe, former acting FBI director, being recommended for indictment would be a 24-7 story in perpetuity. until there's res- Think about that for a moment. Former acting FBI director recommended for indictment. Holy crap, major news story. Unless you're in the United States of America with the godless, soulless, slanderous news media. That's all part of the Democrat establishment. Now, you have this call with the Ukraine, right? Oh, my gosh, this is that big of a deal. We got to blow the whistle. And you wait two months, two months to come out with it. I mean, yes, there's notes that were made literally the next day. But it was saved. It was material that they hung on to. Certainly not a, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, we got to blow the whistle today. Woo! The president, he's out there doing bad things. I mean, you would think if you had something that serious, you wouldn't sit on it for two months, right? Just saying. Logic again. So you have Andrew McCabe's recommended indictment, matter of days, wag the dog, whistleblower, who isn't even a witness. And then the president blows it all out of the water. And he blows it all out of the water by releasing the transcript. So we're all witnesses now. Maybe we can all have whistleblower protection. And the fascinating thing, as we take a look at the whistleblower, the second one, you realize all weekend long, 
we heard about this. This was we got a second whistleblower. Oh my gosh, big news! And then all of a sudden, the thing seems to be fizzling out. Well, why would that be? Well, we find out that if you're being honest for 30 seconds, the only reason that this whistleblower seeking whistleblower protection is they're trying to use the whistleblower protection to avoid prosecution because they broke the law leaking the information to the person who came out as the whistleblower. Isn't that convenient? And there's nothing else there because, again, we've got the transcript of the call. So when we talk about the premise and we talk about facts, those happen to be them in the construct of this conversation. And so you have a lot of desperate people that are doing a lot of desperate things because they have an awful lot on the line. And in the context of the rest of our society and our media, where you have a bunch of people that just could boop, 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 boom, yes, uh, they might not really understand. But again, that's why I take you back. Just ask them, if you have anybody in your life, how did we end up with Trump-Russia collusion in the first place? Where did that come from? Uh, Trump bad. Make them answer the question because that takes you to the premise. And then you can start having a conversation about the facts. And we're going to talk more about this next. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd Lovin. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. He's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. Scam. That was a whole big deal. It lasted for two and a half years. We had a few days of peace, and then all of a sudden they came up with this one. But I guess it's just part of my life. It's remarkable because so many people say, oh my gosh, he's so unhinged in the tweets, and oh my gosh. I can't even begin to imagine what I would be like in his position. Can you? Imagine for a moment that you have had since prior to the day you took office, a conspiracy rooted against you to try to eliminate you. I mean, day in and day out. And oh, by the way, you know, a slightly stressful day job of, I don't know, running the United States of America. A few little important things, which, as we talk about, this entire issue is a huge, huge point that should not go unaddressed. By the way, I am Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Uh, Mark is observing Yom Kippur. We'll be back with us all tomorrow. Now, uh, taking a look at 
part of the effort here. You know, th- there are so many different layers to the deep state activity. And yes, it all began with the Steele dossier and the entire, entire bogus FISA warrant request and the, the groundwork for the Trump-Russia collusion narrative. But it goes so much deeper than that because every aspect of his presidency, as he said, I guess it's just part of my life. Now imagine for a moment how hard it is to do that job. Then you get into office and you find out, oh, my gosh, why are these people around me supposed to be helping my administration? They're trying to do me in. Imagine if in your job every day you go to work and before long you realize, holy crap, I got a lot of people that are actually trying to undermine everything I'm doing. And then the stakes are as big as they are. How would you feel? Yeah, but he tweets. Oh, my gosh. I tell you, I'd be doing a lot more than tweeting. The restraint of Donald Trump, remarkable. But beyond that, think about from a point of effectiveness. Here we are with record low unemployment for every single minority group. In fact, here's the great irony of things. You know the only group of Americans right now not experiencing record low unemployment? White men. I'm not kidding. Every, every other group, <laughs> women to every ethnicity, record low unemployment rates right now. White men, not quite. But anyway, you, you have this economy. You have the policy that brought it about, the uh, reappealing of regulations that stood in the way of business, the tax cuts. But every single day, having to go to war with the folks inside just to try to get policy done. But then realizing, okay, so if I hop on the phone and I'm trying to conduct business, now I've got people that are spying on me. Now I've got people that are trying to undermine even those conversations. And that's part of the other issue here. And I know firsthand that there have been people that the president would have liked to have within his administration that didn't join his administration because they didn't want this. You know, when you have highly successful people, they have made a lot out of their lives, and they don't have to go into this. Many of them are going to choose not to. And what you've seen is that anybody that has entered that universe that's tried to thwart the folks that have been working against them, they get destroyed. They'll do anything to try to tear people apart that get close to this president. So it renders him, to a certain extent, less effective than he otherwise would be. Here we are with all of the good things that we have going on in our country and the policy that he laid the groundwork for, despite that. And it's patently un-American when you have people that are literally working against the interests of this country to serve their own political interests. But again, when you have desperate people, they do desperate things. And that's why accountability it's necessary. We're going to talk about that coming up. I'm Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin. Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. 
a series of choices guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government and advance the cause of constitutionalism in the context of ever-changing circumstances. Hillsdale's new Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington, D.C. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Constitution Man, Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. The mistake they made, the opponents, the opposition, the Democrats, the radical left, deep state, whatever you want to call them, they came out with a whistleblower report before they saw the conversation. Had they waited one day, Nancy Pelosi wouldn't have made a fool out of herself, and she would have been able to say what I said. And about that, the news just about an hour ago, White House not going to comply with the impeachment inquiry. And this is an excerpt from the letter that was uh, sent to the House. said, uh, I write on behalf of President Donald J. Trump in response to your numerous legally unsupported demands made as part of what you have labeled contrary to the Constitution of the United States and all past bipartisan precedent as an impeachment inquiry. As you know, you have designed and implemented your inquiry in a manner that violates fundamental fairness and constitutionality mandated due process. For example, you've denied the president the right to cross-examine witness, to call witnesses, to receive transcripts of testimony, to have access to evidence, to have counsel present, and many other basic rights guaranteed to all Americans. You have conducted your proceedings in secret. You have violated civil liberties and the separation of powers by threatening executive branch officials claiming that you will seek to punish those who exercise fundamental constitutional rights and prerogatives. All this violates the Constitution, the rule of law, and every past precedent. Never before in our history has the House of Representatives, under the control of either party, taken the American people down the dangerous path you seem determined to pursue. Put simply, you seek to overturn the results of the 2016 election and deprive the American people of the president they have freely chosen. Many Democrats now apparently view impeachment not only as a means to undo the Democratic results of the last election, but as a strategy to influence the next election, which is barely more than a year away. As one member of Congress explained, he is concerned that if we don't impeach the president, he will get reelected. Your highly partisan and unconstitutional effort threatens grave and lasting damage to our democratic institutions, to our system of free elections, and to the American people. So, uh, there you go. I mean, it's it goes on. Actually, there's uh, it details the call with President Zelensky and everything else. And uh, the, the only thing I take exception to, because it is really well-crafted, is at the very top, it says the Honorable Adam Schiff. Now, if we were talking about the dishonest, the corrupt, you know, you, that would be appropriate. But, but the Honorable Adam Schiff, not so much. I'm just saying. A few issues there. But again, make no mistake, the, the biggest issue here with all this is not even the here and now. It's not this impeachment inquiry. 
It's not Donald Trump. By the way, I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin. He's observing Yom Kippur. Be back with us tomorrow. The bigger issue is our very premise of, of government in this country. You know, Donald Trump will be long gone when the implications of what's happening right now play out. Frankly, the most important person in the country right now is not even Donald Trump. In my opinion, it's William Barr. Because the president, he can't hold, ultimately, all the people accountable that need to be held to account to prevent something like this from happening again. The biggest problem we would have in this country is if all of these people were allowed to conduct all of the illegal activities to undermine our institution of government and get away with it. To still be entrenched in, in government in Washington. Because if you could get away, and, and this is something that is so incredibly important and transcends politics. If you can get away with doing this kind of crap to the president of the United States, imagine what they can do to you and your family. Who the heck are you? And what will it ever mean for the future of this country? And it gives you an idea of how deep and pervasive the corruption in our intelligence agencies, in justice, in the uh, State Department, how entrenched it was and how comfortable they were that they felt they could have involved so many actors inside and even outside of the government to pull off this entire Trump-Russia collusion trade in the first place. So again, make no mistake about what this is all about. This is all about desperate people doing desperate things. It's the wagging of the dog. It's getting the godless souls and slanders news media to pay attention to something that's based on a bogus premise. There are two sides of stories, one side of facts. And the fact is that you have numerous officials at Justice, at the intelligence agencies, most former officials, folks we probably don't even know the names of at this point, that are being investigated right now by the attorney general. And they're scared. We had one of them, Andrew McCabe, recommended for indictment recently. That set off the holy crap factor with many of these actors. And that's what brought us to this point. Let's go to Leo listening to WMAL. Leo, go. Hey, Brian, I got two points. One is we as the people need to call our legislators and tell them this is not what we hired you to do. We did not hire you to come in and unseat a sitting president. And with that said, okay, call them, tell them that we're done with this, whether you agree with it or not. Uh, the impeachment is a fiasco. The second thing is I'm surprised nobody has called for the GAO, Government Accounting Office, to do a fraud, waste, and abuse of every one of these legislators who have misused their position. They get hired in, and then they go off and do something else. <laughs> They're not doing the job that we hired them for, and they need to be investigated, and they need to, they need to be fired. Well, okay? Leo, truer words haven't been spoken, uh, and, and frankly, a lot more needs to be done with a lot of these people. But to your point, right now during recess, I mean, and imagine, for as loud as this is right now, Congress isn't in session. We're in the second week of a recess right now. They are quite literally elected to represent your interest. These members of the United States House are back home, at least some of them, to hear from you. That is their function under 
uh, the Constitution to hear from you. And so Leo couldn't be more correct. They need to hear from you. You need to let them know exactly what you think. And this is paramount for a number of different reasons. I mentioned that the president is, frankly, the, the second most important person in this right now. It's William Barr, the attorney general, because there's only so much that President Trump can do. We've got to have the accountability. We've got to have the investigation completed. These people exposed. The IG report come out. And we've got to have, to whatever extent uh, can be done, these people held to account so that we don't have them inside of our government. And an example is made that you will not get away with this crap should you pull it in the future. But the other important piece of this is what happens if we get to 2020 and even if President Trump is reelected? Well, if you still have Democrats in control of the House, what happens? If they continue to play these games, you think they're going to give up or you think they're going to double down on desperation. So part of what's important here as well, and this is especially true if you're in one of the districts that in 2016 a Republican uh, was representing you and now a Democrat is. What's important is you're talking about somebody who was elected in a midterm election when Donald Trump wasn't on the ballot. And in the prior cycle, when Donald Trump's name was on the ballot, a Republican was representing that district representing you those people need to hear loud and clear where you stand and that you will kick them out of office if they do not do the right thing here that is absolutely important but yes i don't care who your representatives are make your voice heard uh, because that is what they are there to do and these days you know if we will we'll talk about our, our democratic institutions and everything else. We are a representative republic, and there is nothing that is supposed to represent your interest in Washington more closely than these people that are working right now on this impeachment inquiry. Now, there's something else that comes into play here that is somewhat interesting. There was a, another story I did, and I uh, pulled it up. It was September 27th. This was the day after... We had Nancy Pelosi say that it was a formal inquiry. And I talked at the onset of the show about the definition of, uh, you know, what, what's going on here in, in magician's work, sleight of hand by the Democrats. Nancy Pelosi is a lot of things, but she's a very smart woman. And in just a few, I'm going to pull up a little bit of the information about what she did to change the rules in January at the start of this Congress to try to allow for the formal impeachment process without a formal impeachment vote. Uh, so that in just a few. But first, let's go to Paul. Paul and Yonkers, go. Hello? Hey, Paul. Hi, how are you today? I'm just really, really teed off. I would love for the conservatives, the Republicans, to go on the offensive for once. I mean, there should be investigations. There should be a special counsel. I mean, look at what they're doing to our president. If this guy wasn't so, you know, they have his hands tied behind his back. Look at what he's done for the country, for, for the economy, for so much. Could you imagine if we just had a little help from the Democrats? Just a smidgen where we could be. But, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. And I can't believe the media. I was foolish enough to believe at one time that they, they would be fair. They're, they're disgusting. They're embarrassing. They're, they're shameful. You're being generous in the characterization of them, frankly. Thanks, Paul. Now, uh, here's a number for you. Paul's talking about, uh, you, I wish more Republicans would go on the offensive in Congress. Oh, well, I hear you. 
The number is 4%. And what does what 4% represent? Donald Trump was the choice of Republicans, obviously, right? He ran away with the primary. 4% represents the number of elected Republicans at that same period of time, back in 2016, that supported President Trump. In other words, your elected Republicans were not with Trump until they felt like they had to be. And that's part of the reason why you don't have more fighting. 4%. And some of them aren't even in Congress anymore. Let's go to Chuck. Chuck in Lafayette, Louisiana. Go. Hey, Brian. Great show. I want to point out that Trump has been saying from the beginning that he's had spies in his administration and all the leaks that have been coming out. Uh, he said he had spies in the intelligence community. And I, I really do think this whole whistleblower thing is some of the spies that have been planted, they're trying to pull them out now to protect them and protect them as whistleblowers. So when the IG report comes out and all these people are, are named and got to face the consequences, they're trying to protect the ones they can now. And uh, that's all I had to say, man. You're 100% right. Chuck, you're, you're an astute observer of everything that's going on. You're ahead of the curve for sure. Because this second whistleblower, that's all the same. The, the second whistleblower is actually the whistleblower, the person who had the first-hand account. And the reason that we're now hearing about the second whistleblower, who's real, the really the initial whistleblower, is because he's seeking whistleblower protection because he broke the law, because he leaked classified information to the first whistleblower, who wasn't a witness? That's how corrupt these people are. But again, desperate people do desperate things. We'll continue. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot Hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Based on the unfair and partisan process that Mr. Schiff has been running, you think about what the Democrats are trying to do, impeach the President of the United States 13 months prior to an election based on an anonymous whistleblower with no firsthand knowledge who has a bias against the President. And the guy running the process, Chairman Schiff, didn't even tell us that he had met with the whistleblower prior to the whistleblower filing the complaint. Uh, details. I dare you. Details, right? 
Uh, yes, uh, that is uh, Representative Jim Jordan, by the way. And a couple of things uh, I teased uh, just before the break about what Nancy Pelosi did, her sleight of hand, her magician's work, to lay the groundwork to try to make this thing constitutional. Now, here's the deal about what she did. Is it constitutional? Well, that ultimately would be up to the courts to decide. We can all read the Constitution and infer certain things, but ultimately, if there are legal challenges, that's how this thing goes, right? Even though it should be the way that we understand it and that it's written. Now, yes, constitutionally, you do need to have an impeachment inquiry. And this is a story that I did as part of a Q&A. I do one of those daily with my local shows. And uh, it was a story from September 27th. Uh, and uh, Q&A of the day, is the House's formal impeachment inquiry constitutional? And the uh, question I got, am I hearing this from a listener? Am I hearing this correctly, that the Constitution requires the House to vote on whether a president can be investigated for impeachment proceedings? So does that mean that Nancy Pelosi has unilaterally decided that an investigation into the president should take place? Doesn't that place her in violation of the constitutional requirements? It's a great question. It's one that I had as well. It's one that has been raised by the White House as they, as they have rejected uh, the compliance with the impeachment inquiry that they announced just over an hour ago. So here's what I found. I was trying to figure out what's different. And I always talk about the premise. you got to get to the premise. you got to establish the facts. And then we're all welcome to our opinions after that. But in trying to get to the facts of what changed, it's very complicated going through congressional rules. But every Congress, you have a set of rules that are agreed to by that Congress. It happens during the window of time where voting for the Speaker of the House, everything else takes place. So for this 116th Congress, this term, there are a series of new rule changes proposed by none other than incoming Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Now, one of the interesting things that came into play with those rule changes Expanded subpoena powers for numbers of committees, six different committees that I could find that were just without context, but there, expanded subpoena and investigative powers with these committees. See, ordinarily, you would have to have a vote for a formal impeachment inquiry. Nancy Pelosi simply saying it's formal doesn't make it so, right? Now, your gondolas, soulless, slanderous news media didn't question any of this. But if they're doing their job, they would have, and they would have tried to figure some of this out. So getting into the rules changes from this 116th Congress, I found where it appears six different committees at a minimum had expanded subpoena powers and ability to conduct things that, you know what, look an awful lot like an impeachment inquiry. And they were agreed to by this Congress. So, yes, while we had formal impeachment inquiries voted on, for Presidents Nixon and Clinton, and it is required by the Constitution, what might have happened is the House already voting for an impeachment inquiry into President Trump, just not explicitly, and potentially when Congress was coming into session originally. She's a lot of things, Nancy Pelosi, but she is smart, and she likely anticipated that her caucus was going to be demanding an impeachment before this Congress was up. This seems to have been what she did. It'll be very interesting to see what happens next. Courts likely to decide. 
We'll talk more about this coming up next. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Marco Day. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. There are four issues that we are looking at, at least four issues that we are looking at, all that go to the heart of our national security. And by preventing us from hearing from this witness and obtaining these documents, the President and Secretary of State are taking actions that prevent us from getting the facts needed to protect the nation's security. So we need to be able to break the law in order to protect the law. <laughs> Is that what you're saying, Mr. Schiff? Ah, the show continues with, with Adam Schiff. Now, uh, the president, the administration has made clear they are not going to comply with this impeachment inquiry. And it's important to get to the premise of why we're having this entire conversation. This has nothing to do with Ukraine. Nothing. Zip zero. It's a bunch of bull crap. It's a bunch of poo. And the reason we're even having this conversation is because you have the attorney general, William Barr, who's getting ready to release a lot of information it's going to potentially expose a lot of people, and you have desperate people that need to take out Donald Trump, but not just him, William Barr. See, one of the fascinating things from the whistleblower who wasn't a witness's account that conspired with Adam Schiff that he lied about, and uh, and, and then we, we later find out uh, there was another whistleblower that was actually the witness that is now seeking protection. So you have multiple people conspiring to break the law that want to protect the law. But one of the fascinating things that we found out in that whistleblower account is that they were deeply concerned about many things that were going on with this administration. Now, this call in the Ukraine took place in July. The reason that it came out over the past couple of weeks, well, coincidentally, it is timed with a recommended indictment by the Justice Department of one Andrew McCabe, one of the deep state actors involved in the entire Trump-Russia collusion narrative in the first place, in that conspiracy. And again, if we had an honest news media, this is something that you would be hearing about. I'm going to drill down here on the rest of these facts in a moment. I am Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark is observing Yom Kippur, back with us all tomorrow. I host The Morning Rush. WJNO in West Palm Beach, the Brian Mudd Show, WYOD in Miami. And it is always an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will, will call me the fact man, but you may call me in the spirit of the Major League Baseball playoffs. I'm a Braves fan. And so if you're familiar with the bringer of rain, who happens to be Josh Donaldson, you may call me the bringer of facts, if you'd like. So I will bring you the facts, two sides of stories, one side of facts. And we've got to establish the premise and the facts, and then we may all have our own opinions after those have been established. Now, in the construct of this conversation about the timing, they were concerned in May, this whistleblower, multiple U.S. officials deeply concerned. That's a quote from this whistleblower's account. Now, the timing, again, is interesting because that was about the time that they figured out, oh, crap. The Mueller report didn't do the trick. We are not going to be able to get rid of Trump on this. Now what do we do? Well, circle the wagons and began looking for anything that you can. 
And so you have people that are actively looking for whatever they can, spying on the president of the United States. Now, somewhere along the way, you might be concerned that you would have intelligence officials that would be surveilling the president of the United States' phone conversations. Think for a moment about how that might impair the president's ability to do his job. If you're a foreign leader and you know that President Trump is being surveilled by people that are trying to do him in in this country, it's going to make you more or less likely to want to engage in meaningful dialogue with him about really important business that could be of benefit to this country, could even be of national security concern. So quite literally, you have these deep state actors that are undermining not only the United States Constitution, not only the rule of law, but national security on top of it all. When the president has made mention of treason, he's absolutely correct. That's exactly what this looks like. That's exactly what this sounds like. And there's no doubt that it's impairing his ability to do his job. But again, why is this all the case? Deeply concerned going back to May. They figure out Mueller reports not going to get the job done. Plan B. All right, look for Oh, and now we got Ukraine. Now, again, if the Ukraine situation was that big of a deal, oh, my gosh, we got to blow the whistle. Are you going to sit on that for two months because the president of the United States is really putting pressure to try to exact an election outcome? You're going to sit on that for a couple of months and go, oh, my gosh, now it's the biggest thing ever? And then get the news media to go, oh, my gosh, this is the biggest thing ever? Why would that? Whoa. Well, the Andrew McCabe recommended indictment, which, again, your godless souls and slanderous news media did not cover. When you have a former acting FBI director under recommended indictment, you would think that would be the biggest story that's hit this country in quite some time. But it was barely a mention anywhere. And to the extent that there was a mention, here's something that's really interesting. So one of the things I do with the godless souls and slanderous news media is I always like to see what they're doing when – Things that I'm following, like Andrew McCabe, uh, while all this Ukraine whistleblower crap is happening, I'm always interested to see what other people will put out their news media. So, for example, I searched Andrew McCabe with regularity. And the first and second day of this entire fiasco, you know what came up? Washington Post. And to the extent that there was anything out there, there was an opinion piece about Hasn't Andrew McCabe been through enough? Now, isn't it interesting that in the middle of this entire whistleblower, oh my gosh, Trump is conspiring with the Ukrainians to try to exact an election outcome? Don't you think it's interesting that the Washington Post is running an opinion piece saying, just let Andrew McCabe go home. He's been through enough. Why would they be doing that? Because he's innocent? Because... They're not concerned about something that could end up going on with Andrew McCabe. There's a lot to lose. Now, one of the things that's important uh, to actually remember how we got here in the first place. Again, deep state, not built in a day, not built in one administration, not going down without a fight. So if you go all the way back to where this whole thing began with the information that we had publicly available, made publicly available by the Nunes investigation, In the House, we found out all kinds of people were involved. And as part of that recap, to give you an idea, you had both the DOJ and the FBI that petitioned the FISA court to surveil, starting on the Trump campaign. We later found out that person was Carter Page. That started before the election. And we found out 
that the initial warrant on Carter Page was issued and then renewed three different times every 90 days, which lasted through the campaign, the election, the president-elect period, and President Trump's early days as president. We found out that FBI Director James Comey signed off on three warrants. We found out that, yes, FBI Director Andrew McCabe signed one. That at the Justice Department, Deputy Attorney Generals Sally Yates, Dana Bonetta, and Rod Rosenstein signed one. We found out that Christopher Steele was the source of the Steele dossier, a discredited FBI informant. We found out that he was initially paid over $160,000 by the DNC and the Clinton campaign to create it via the law firm that is now defunct that worked on behalf of the DNC and the Clinton campaign. Again, anywhere where you had an honest news media, all of this stuff would have been a big deal. But this goes back to February 2nd of 2018. We found out that the purpose was to obtain derogatory information on Trump ties to Russia. And we found out that the funding of this dossier that was fraudulently created was never disclosed to the FISA court. So you had all these officials at Justice, at the uh, intelligence agencies that knew that the DNC and Clinton campaign were funding this, but they never disclosed that information to the FISA court. And we found out that the FISA request also left out any mention of it being Fusion GPS led by Christopher Steele, who had been fired from the FBI. We found out that in September, on September 23rd, there was a leaked Yahoo News story that was leaked by Christopher Steele that started this entire groundwork for the conspiracy, for the FISA warrant request. In the FISA request, it states that Steele wasn't the source of the Yahoo story. But in a British court, Christopher Steele actually mentioned that he was the source of the Yahoo News story link. And we found out that the law firm, Perkins Coy, they were aware of the Steele leak, and they met with him in a private setting to try to discuss any damage control if they needed to go down that path. We then found out that Steele ended up being completely removed from the equation after he ended up leaking to Mother Jones in October, right before the election. And then after being completely cut off by the FBI, how did he maintain contact with the Justice Department? Oh, that's right. His partner working on this happened to be the wife of Bruce Orr at the Justice Department. And he could go ahead and use her to get this information to the Justice Department and to continue to lay the groundwork for all of this to take place. And it goes on and on and on. Now, the fascinating thing about Andrew McCabe having recently been recommended for indictment is that he testified in December of 2017 that the warrants would not have been issued without the dossier. People also forget that detail, and your news media is still not reporting that one. McCabe testified in this country December 2017 the FISA warrant request would never have been issued without the Steele dossier. That's the entire story. That's Trump-Russia collusion. Top-level officials at your intelligence agencies, at your uh, Justice Department, State Department, you name it. And once you realize what's at risk with Andrew McCabe facing indictment and what he already was honest about in December of 2017, it begins to make sense. Because from John Brennan on down, there are a lot of people with a lot to lose, and the Attorney General of the United States is investigating all of them right now. That's what this is about. 
Ukraine? That's bullcrap, and they know it. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd, love in. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, BrickhouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. do nothing. And we are doing a lot, and the Democrats are doing nothing. Well, and to the extent that they're doing something, it sure as heck isn't in the interest of this country. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. By the way, you may follow me at Brian Mudd Radio on Twitter. And when we take a look at pulling this thing full circle, so over the show thus far, brought you from here to there, why it is that we're having the conversations that have nothing to do, really, with the Ukraine and Trump and Biden, that's a sideshow. Yes, Donald Trump wants accountability. And yes, there's a whole separate story. And we'll talk about it a little bit about the Bidens, Hunter Biden and all that. Uh, there really is a lot to that particular story and a lot more than you've heard, by the way. But the bigger issue here, you can't just get Trump. So the whistleblower who wasn't a witness, when we received the uh, depiction from whistleblower, he didn't just say Donald Trump and all these other things. He didn't just say there are multiple U.S. officials deeply concerned starting in mid-May, which, not so coincidentally, is about the time the House realized, you know what, there's nothing that we're going to be able to do to move on impeachment because of the Mueller report. It uh, went a little further. It also named William Barr, Attorney General. Maine mentioned that it appears that the Attorney General is involved as well. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because he's the single most important person in all of this right now. If you removed, let's just say, and by the way, as feckless as the Republicans can be on their worst day, I do not believe for 30 seconds that the Senate is going to remove Donald Trump, even if it gets to trial. First of all, I don't think Nancy Pelosi really is foolish enough to move forward with an impeachment vote, but that's a whole other thing. But let's just say for for a moment, maybe Trump, you know what? I'm out. I, I'm tired of this. I'm going home. Okay. Um, who's president? It's Mike Pence. Does that change the dynamic on the ground relative to the people that end up having a lot to lose if they are exposed and if they are held to account by the Justice Department? No. Doesn't do anything to save their butts. That's why the single most imper- important person right now is William Barr. Now, what was fascinating to watch? Remember how much backlash there was? 
to Jeff Sessions when he was becoming attorney general originally? And we didn't know everything that happened at that point, right? We didn't understand the entire deep state and everything they had done to try to undermine and conspire and were conspiring at that very moment against the Trump administration. But the, the left was so dead set against our buddy Mr. Magoo, Jeff Sessions, until what? They realized, oh, he wasn't going to do anything, you know? He had sessions. I'd just kind of go around the country and go, hey, I'm the, I'm the justice guy. And suddenly Democrats went, shoot, yeah, this guy, we're okay here. That's when you had, in, in that whole little window of time, Andrew McCabe's even testifying. Yeah, you know, if it hadn't been for that steel dossier, FISA court wouldn't have gone along with this request. He would know. He signed off on it. So then what happened? Well, when Sessions was on his way out the door, Remember how that was suddenly a big deal? So the very same people on the left who said, you, you can't have just Sessions. He was involved in your campaign and he recused him, Russia, everything. Suddenly they realized, you know what, he's not going to be a problem for us at all. But now he's got to stay. And why? Well, because William Barr. As soon as his name came up, what happened? Now what's interesting is who actually confirmed him the first time he was attorney general? Yeah, Democrats. Not only was it a broadly bipartisan vote for Attorney General William Barr, was there ever any hint during his time as Attorney General for George Herbert Walker Bush that he was a partisan, that he was a hack, that he was any? So all of a sudden, all these years later, he is, right? That was the first sign that, holy crap, now we've got something to worry about. Because just as I mentioned at the time, and I firmly believed, William Barr knew exactly what he's getting himself into they realized we had a lot to lose. And that's when they began to kick up Plan B, Plan C, and all these other desperate moves that they have been collecting information on and seeking to carry out to try to save their butts. The single most important function of the Trump administration has nothing to do with policy. No matter how good the economy is, no matter how many record lows we hit for minority unemployment rates and everything else, an opportunity, the single most important function of Donald Trump as president of the United States is taking out these deep state actors, restoring accountability and justice to the Justice Department, to the intelligence agencies, to the State Department. This is as real as it gets, and it is not about the Ukraine. Desperate people do desperate things, and they're nervous because Attorney General William Barr is investigating, has been investigating, literally around the world to try to bring accountability back to this country. So may God bless him, because Lord knows we need it and he needs it. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. You wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. 
Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, the most popular conservative author in America. Call in to the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. I used to say we're praying for everyone. In Washington, though, where we are, it's like faith or or science. And we're saying, no, we don't have to make that choice. Science is an answer to our prayers. Look at that. It's actually a very nice statement for Nancy Pelosi. She was trying to use it for a political outcome, but... I appreciate that she's still willing to acknowledge God. That's dangerous in her caucus these days. And actually talk about science being a gift from God, essentially. So uh, good on Nancy. One thing that uh, I could agree with her on uh, today. Let's go to uh, let's go to Randy in Tacoma. Randy, go. Hi, Brian. Hey, how you doing? Hey, great. Love your show. I uh, really love Mark Levin and appreciate it. You're right on top of it. You know what's happening. This constant barrage of undocumented or, you know, these allegations are unsubstantiated against our president. And I asked you earlier if they couldn't be charged with treason. What about being charged with sedition? (laughs) You know, when you take a look at the, the lay of the land with Congress and, and with our country. One thing that I, I do think is important is perspective because, uh, yes, Tal, there are so many things that have happened that are wrong. And it seems like every day there's another law that's broken. I mean, we find out that you know, Adam Schiff ended up receiving information from a whistleblower that was illegal because it violated the IG. Can't just take information that's leaked from classified material, a direct call from the president of the United States with a, a foreign leader, and leak it to a member of the House. I mean, that's a lot, but that kind of stuff goes on. So it's easy to take a look at this and go, you know what? Man, these people and treason, and there's a yeah, but factor. And this is the one thing that uh, is a little bit faith restoring for me to pick up on uh, Nancy Pelosi's reference of faith there. You know, we have a case of recency bias that happens time and again. And the recency bias comes about, we always think things are worse than they've ever been. And for us, it may be at any given time because we're looking at it through our frame of reference. You know, people will say all the time, you know, politics have never been worse. Well, this country has quite literally fought a war against itself. Things have been worse, I assure you. When we take a look at underhandedness, People that are engaged in trade, well, you know, it it happened before this country was even founded, right? From Benedict Arnold right on through. And what are the odds there have been people all throughout the course of time? Anywhere there is power, influence, and money, it's going to attract nefarious elements for their own self-interest. So the odds are that we've been battling this right along. And again, these deep state actors, you have to think for a moment about how entrenched they really were to be so confident to even hatch this plot in the first place. I mean, it really is quite remarkable. They actually dreamed this up and executed it. And think about all the players involved. When you're, okay, here's the game plan, guys. You're the coach. 
And, uh, you know, you're going, all right, uh, the game plan is this. All of you at Justice, here, uh, here's your, your, these are your marching orders. Uh, all of you folks over here in uh, the, the intelligence agency, uh, this is how you're supposed to carry this out. Uh, we've got our folks on the outside that are taking care of uh, all the leaking of information, and we are going to uh, create this uh, collusion narrative, Trump-Russia collusion, and uh, go, execute. I mean, it's audacious. So think about what they were doing before this. I'm guessing they weren't, you know, engaged in lawful above-board activities as part of the day job. Not generally, anyway. You don't go from lawful and good public servants to, hey, guys, let's do this one, right? So eh, just a little food for thought. We've been up against this for a very long time. The difference is, and this is, once again, what's faith restoring, just as we made our way past uh, Benedict Arnold, just as we made our way through a civil war, we are pretty darn resilient. And were it not for William Barr at Justice right now, I would be worried. If Mr. Magoo was still going around the country, hey, I'm the justice guy, and I've recused myself from anything that matters, I would be worried, much more worried. And maybe it's foolish of me to believe in uh, you know, justice in this country, but I still believe in this country. And, again, we've been resilient. So uh, that is where I'm coming from here and where I am going to err on the side of optimism. Let's go to Donna. Donna in Maryland. Go. Hi, Brian. You've done a great job uh, laying this all out for us, and it provoked a thought with me. The radical left has been recycling the same plan over and over again, expecting a different result, which I find fascinating on the face of it. And then I look at the mainstream press, and they assume that the public is enamored with them and their, you know, their phony journalistic um, knowledge and information. And I was thinking about how the public was in awe over Obama. But obviously, that is no longer the case, which explains the Trump movement and his ascendancy to the president presidency. So I think what I'm saying is uh, it's all about really the uh, foreign assets overseas who helped the Obama administration cover up this entire coup and are still panicking trying to undermine this presidency. I, I just my heart just bleeds for President President Trump with everything he's gone through. And I just want to thank you for really helping me make that clear in my mind because I think it's important for people to understand how the press has done so much more damage than even we could have even imagined. Well thank you for listening and appreciate it. You know one of the things in particular this audience, an amazing audience, and Mark is amazing for what he has created here. I love this opportunity in this forum because I can get all this information out and disseminate things. And, look, there are far more talented people that do this than me. But uh, I do get to the premise, and I will give you the facts. And we all may disagree in the arena of ideas should we choose to. But we got to get to the facts of the premise, and, and so often that doesn't happen. And you know, Mark, what he does day in and day out, it, it creates uh, you know, so much thought, so much opportunity for knowledge, and it is uh, simply an honor and a pleasure to be able uh, to bring some information to you uh, given the opportunity. And, of course, I, I, by the way, I am Brian Mudd, in for the great one, Mark Levin, and uh, he, he will be back with us tomorrow observing uh, Yom Kippur. But, uh, yeah, th- this story... You know, it doesn't end this way. 
Uh, it, it, Donald Trump uh, is a fighter, and he's not given up for a reason. It's because this is one that needs to be won, and it's one that will be won. And this country, again, his most important function is this, rooting out the deep state. And I think that he's fully aware of what he's up against. And what's interesting, when you're talking about the Obama administration, I had a uh, very interesting conversation, lengthy conversation earlier today. And at the crux of it is how much damage and destruction was done by the Obama administration. I mentioned that the deep state wasn't created in a day. And I was just talking about, imagine how audacious uh, of a plan this really was that was, that laid the groundwork for the entire collusion narrative and how confident you had to be in executing that. The uh, part of the conversation I had was that the, the damage was so systemic that we're going to be paying for it for years. We're paying for it in numerous foreign policy ways already, but we are paying for it because of these institutions that have been corrupted. And that's all part of what has to happen. Now, paying for years into the future, we've got this opportunity right now, and it's part of the reason why it's critical that President Trump finishes the job. And oh, by the way, that we have record low unemployment for minorities and record high incomes with the average full-time employed person now earning over $50,000 for the first time in American history and a great economy that is in no way, shape, or form heading anywhere near recession. That's all part of your godless souls and slanderous news media. You know, the, the first thing is your average person in news media, they, they don't have a flipping clue when it comes to economics to begin with. And then to the extent that they talk about recession, it is absurd. Never in American history have we had incomes growing at 3% anywhere near unemployment where it is now, and we're still adding construction and manufacturing jobs. Never in American history have we had things like that happening and been anywhere near a recession. It's just bull crap. The only way we can have a recession is if we get spooked into not spending because 70% of the U.S. economy, you and me and consumer spending. That's all part of the plot. It's just nonsense. I mean, the, these people on the left and the news media, which are the part of the left uh, in, in part of the Democrat establishment these days, uh, they are quite literally hoping and wishing for a bad economy to try to exact a political outcome. Bill Maher was just honest about it, by the way. I do give him credit for that. Let's go to Chad in Austin. Chad, go. Hey, Brian. It's uh, appreciate you taking the call, man. I, I had a question in, in regards to um, – the whistleblower piece, and so my understanding is the the call happened in July, right? Right. So the the change in the I don't guess it's a statue or, or the application of the whistleblower status for secondhand information changed in August. It appears right? to me they've retroactively applied that to this whistleblower who has secondhand information, but the event happened in July. It, it would seem invalid to me, like a law that was passed after somebody already committed the offense when it was not illegal and then they want to apply that law to somebody to you know convict them or punish them well you are an astute observer of information and you're on to something there but it going to the premise of even this whistleblower it was illegal before then because as we came to learn the whistleblower who was not a witness that information was derived from a first-hand whistleblower who defied the IG and protocol, took classified information to another person who then took it to Adam Schiff. So the very dissemination of this information from the person who had first-hand information to the second-hand whistleblower who wasn't a witness, that was illegal. 
So the entire thing is unlawful. You're 100% correct, and it's all part of what needs to be held to account here. Uh, let's go to Jacob in Birmingham. Jacob, go. Hi, uh, hi Ryan. Good to see you here tonight. <clears throat> Appreciate him. The show, a whole lot. Uh, uh, the shift policy with uh, the impeachment against our, our wonderful president uh, is really can't, can't take it. The news media is just pushing and pushing and pushing against our president, trying to get him impeached. We had eight years of Obama, and nobody mentioned anything about impeachment of him for anything that went on with him. So, yeah, if you just don't like somebody, like if you're if you're a liberal or in the news media, I guess the object is impeachment, get rid of the person you don't like. So we need to start impeaching the people that we don't like, such as Pelosi and uh, Chuck Schumer, people that have been there in Congress a long time, just start impeachment against them, and we can just focus on impeachment all day long and just do nothing about impeachment and just talk about how bad everybody is and how you don't like anybody. You know, it's just all, it's all about yeah. Trump's. Especially with the migrant, the migrants coming across our border, we got this huge Ebola outbreak and this other thing going on. And Jacob, uh, so when we take a look, what, what you're talking about with regard to, you know, let's just impeach everybody, and uh, if you don't like somebody, get rid of. That is at the crux of some of what was in the rejection to comply with the impeachment inquiry that was released just about uh, a couple hours ago now uh, from the White House. They laid out, in essence, what you're talking about there, which is, you know, there is future precedent here. You've broken all precedent. You're doing this in an unlawful way to begin with, unconstitutional way. And what you are doing in terms of trying to set precedent by doing this could basically play out the way that is being suggested. Now, one thing that is often confused is what impeachment really is in the House. It is very much a political process. I mean, for all intents and purposes, if Nancy Pelosi has the votes and they want to drop articles of impeachment, they go ahead and do it. And when they get back in session, they could vote to impeach them if they got the votes. Again, I doubt that's going to happen. I don't think Nancy wants all that to happen, quite honestly. I think she's dumb enough to to travel down that path. But uh, she's riding that fine line right now. But they could do it because it's just the political process. And then you have the trial that plays out in the Senate. And again, I mean, even the feckless Republicans in the Senate – you don't have to worry about it. And so Donald Trump is not going to be removed through this process. But, yes, it is political. Impeachment is largely a political process at the House level. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd Lovin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN.
this climate crisis. And I'm sorry to have to say this, but it will be largely up to your generation to turn the tide by coming up with original and inventive solutions and by thinking outside the box. Yeah, so it wasn't all impeachment palooza uh, today. Not the only thing that's going on. You, you had that. Mark Roots, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands. That's I mean, our generations. We created all this climate change, and it's up to you to do something. Uh, it is fascinating to listen to these people, and they are the ones that are accepted as the most intelligent people in the room, in, in these circles, too, right? It's fascinating how you've had a minimum of three mass extinction events all before we were here. But by God, climate change. I mean, they, we made it happen. I mean, it's a fascinating intellectual exercise. So how was it like dino flatulence? Is that, I mean, because we know that the mass extinction events, uh, periods of extreme heat and cold. We've had ice ages. We had really hot periods. What what did it? I'm sure that somehow or another it really was our fault from the future or something. I mean, it's just nonsense. And... Brian Mudd in for the great one, Marco Ben. He'll be back with us tomorrow. One of the things I always do, two science stories, one set of facts, get to the premise. So I actually uh, have looked all this information up. And look, I'm an environmentalist. I actually want this to be, I'm a conservative environmentalist. And, and guess what? I find that most conservatives really are because this just in. <laughs> I don't know anyone who wants nature to be screwed up. I don't know anybody who really wants Dirty air and, uh, you know, a, a bunch of garbage on the ground. I don't know anybody who wants to kill future generations. Just let's go ahead and see if we can make that happen. But um, I actually studied this stuff. And so in South Florida, there are a couple of reasons that we live here. One, taxes. Two, uh, the environment. We want to enjoy it. And so I am very active in, environmentally. And, uh, and finally, the real people who get out there and actually do work to try to improve the environment are generally conservatives. You'll actually have the folks who protest that we clean up after many times with beach cleanups and the like. But anyway, here's the deal. NOAA has actually tracked temperatures in the lower 48 states since 2005, something that, uh, once again, your news media does not cover. You know what the result is of temperature change in the lower 48 states since 2005 as tracked by NOAA? Do, do, do. Got it? Got a number of them? Negative 0.1 degrees Celsius. Yeah, that's right. To the extent that we've had temperature change measured by NOAA, it's actually been negative over the past 14 years. Did you know, with sea level rise, it is actually on the move, slightly higher here in South Florida, has been for over 40 years. Did you know that actually on the West Coast, most places, we have a decreasing sea level over the most recent decades? Interesting, right? Two sides of stories, one side of facts. Be back with more of them right here. I'm Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Michael Ben. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. I wake up every single morning with not a lot of time on my because I'm doing things like filling potholes and making sure that our city has enough affordable housing, and I don't have time with a city of 430,000 people to be tweeting garbage out.
I wonder if there's a school for sucking at life like this. Who talks that way? Yeah, it's not believable as a person on this planet. I just, I don't have to. I wake up every day, and I'm filling those potholes, and I'm building those affordable homes, and by God, there's tw- I don't have time for the tweets, the potholes. That is your professional pothole man, uh, Jacob Fry, uh, a.k.a. the mayor of Minneapolis, which, by well, Minneapolis is supposed to be like one of the more educated and sophisticated cities. These, you look like that? I mean, the guy is like a caricature of somebody who'd want to be taken seriously. I mean, that's like straight out of puke politician 101 school. I wake up every day and the potholes. So here's what I'd like you to do. If you're in Minneapolis and you come across potholes, you call Jacob Fry. Because he wakes up every day to fill your potholes. If you feel like you don't have affordable housing in Minneapolis, you call Jacob Fry and get his butt out there to build you that house. I mean, shoot, if... Captain Peanut, Jimmy Carter in 95 can still be building homes. If I got Jacob Fry, who that's what he lives for, he wakes up every day doing affordable housing. That man will get out there and build you an affordable house, right? Jacob Fry, pro pothole man. Now, why is the professional pothole man, a.k.a. the mayor of Minneapolis, why is he in the news? Why Why are we? Why was this whole little Twitter spat with uh, the president coming? Oh, because of this. See, also as part of your godless souls and slanderous news media, they'll never do the groundwork on why we're having that conversation in the first place. And, uh, by the way, I am Brian Mudd. I host uh, The Morning Rush, WJNO, West Palm Beach. And then uh, about an hour after that, I do The Brian Mudd Show, WIOD in Miami. It is always an honor and a pleasure uh, guest hosting for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark is observing Yom Kippur. We'll be back with all of us tomorrow evening. And uh, by the way, you may follow me at Brian Radio on Twitter. Now, the reason why we have a Twitter spat between President Trump and Jacob Fry, the professional pothole man, is, uh, oh, what's uh, that's right. So this bill, a funny thing about a bill. So President Trump getting ready for his rally at the Target Center. Now, a rally at the Target Center has been done by presidents before. But what hasn't been done before is this, a bill for $530,000. That's right. The Target Center, in conjunction with Minneapolis officials, I would suppose that would mean uh, with uh, the professional pothole man involved, they sent a bill to President Trump for $530,000. Now, what's odd about that? Without context, it sounds like a big number, but who knows? President comes there. There's a lot going on. Does it, did, did 530, I don't know. Well, I do know because guess what? The Target Center hosted, oh, President Obama back in 2009. So it's been about 10 years. And when he was out there pushing Obamacare, the fraud that would make your health care more affordable, and uh, that would let you keep your doctor, let you keep your plan. When he was out there lying about that, laying the groundwork for it, he went to the Target Center in Minneapolis. And guess what? He got a bill, too. You know what that bill was? Remember, 530000 for President Trump. Again, this is your godless souls and slanderous news media at work. What I'm getting ready to share with you, you have not come across yet. 
You just have to do a little legwork on this stuff. So it was $20,000. That's right. Obama was presented with the bill for $20,000. Now, I do lay out the possibility that all of the people, including professional pothole man, are victims of the public education establishment, and so they don't know how to do basic math, and maybe they ended up doing bad multiples and adding zero. It is possible. But uh, even, even with inflation, which is the thing, which if you are you know, a, a victim of the uh, public education establishment, you, you might not necessarily know how to account for it. But even if you round up on inflation, that 20000 bill looks like uh, 24000 So, I mean, just a small discrepancy between, uh, say, 24000 530000 I mean, these are all just rounding errors, right? Now, that's not institutionalized bias. That's not bigotry. So, yes, when President Trump gets a little bit upset, I think he has a reason to. But your godless souls and slanders, news media is going to do wait. Just go, look at Trump. He's so uncouth. Oh, that. No, he's being screwed by bigots in Minneapolis. He's being screwed by the professional pothole man. I just wake up every day and all I can do, I just got to fill the pothole. That guy. Which, by the way, does he not also sound like a Mayor Pete Wannabe? Now, now you got all these boobs that are out there that get elected mayor. They go, well, shoot, look at that guy. I'm going to be out. Yeah, that could be me, too. I could go from, you know, professional pothole man in, in Minneapolis to president of the United States. You know, it is America. You know, the United States, anything is possible, I suppose. But not like your chances. You're Because, you know, again, you're not believable as a person on this planet. And you can at least do the work that Jimmy Carter does. Just... Do that first. Let's start there. So, so uh, what is kind of cool, though, is that you did end up having the Minneapolis police officers, after they were banned uh, from showing up at this event, the Trump rally, to be uh, in uniform, they started selling T-shirts. And they have been selling out constantly uh, because the cops have been buying like, okay. You're going to ban us from showing up in uniform. You're going to do everything you can trying to hose the president, keep him from coming here. We're going to show you. So you have the police union in Minneapolis that is standing up to the bigotry of the professional pothole man and company in Minneapolis. And, uh, you know, it's fascinating to watch these things play out. But it also is exceptional to see the way that President Trump executes and orchestrates all of these little people that think they are really accomplishing something. Because in the end, what are they really doing? They're fanning the flames against him. And what has President Trump wanted to do? Minneapolis is lost. But Minnesota is not. We saw for the first time since 1988, nearby Michigan and Pennsylvania, break for Donald Trump. First time since 88 they had gone for a Republican Minnesota, only a point and a half away. President Trump wants to win Minnesota. And it is also a potential backdrop to losing a Pennsylvania or Wisconsin. Something that could end up making the difference next year. And what better way to motivate people that aren't electing Omar near Minneapolis than to actually get them to rally around him the way that they are. So... It's fascinating to watch him use the professional pothole man and the bigots associated with the Target Center that are involved in this situation as well. 
Two sides to stories, one side of facts. And, uh, you know, I'm here to provide you with just a few of the facts and a little bit of the information. And, uh, but wait, there's more. Because when we talk about all these issues, what does it come down to? It comes down to ignorance. And I had an idea recently because there's so many different things as a result of our Godless Souls and Slanderous News Media that is involved in regular omission, most pervasive form of bias is omission. I've decided uh, we've had so many groups like you, you might have heard of the group Ban Assault Weapons Now. It's a big thing here in Florida. They're trying to get a constitutional amendment passed in our state to ban assault weapons and uh, that, that whole thing. So I've come up with an idea for Ben. It's banning ignorance now. And as part of banning ignorance now, we simply take all these people that don't know things and we inform them. So, for example, in the context of, like, the assault weapons and gun violence, simply illustrate points like this. And I'm doing this because as a member of BIN, Banning Ignorance Now, you can see how you can articulate and lay the groundwork for various different pieces of information that might result in you sending a bill for $530,000. That should have been 24000 for example. So we, you'll hear the term gun violence. Well, what is the definition of the word gun? Well, it's a weapon. Okay, and what's the definition of the word violence? It's behavior involving physical force intended to hurt, damage, or kill someone or something. So can you have gun violence? You quite literally cannot. Uh, or at least I've never, uh, you know, an inanimate object becoming violent, that's a news story. That's a big story if, you've, if you're, but otherwise it would not be possible. So it's not possible to have gun violence, yet it's reported by your news media, right? And you have people that will talk about gun violence and assault weapons. We know about so. What is the definition of a weapon, for example? Well, if you're going to be talking about a weapon, you're talking about a thing designed or used for inflicting bodily harm or physical damage. Is it possible to have, then, a non-assault weapon? And since a rock could be used to inflict bodily harm or physical damage, should we ban assault rocks as part of the banning assault? This is all part of ban, banning ignorance now. So take forward information like this, and not just with these issues, but with all issues, and engage in Ben. We will together will ban ignorance now. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great. Mud Lovin. And uh, they're available, and we can't keep them on the shelves. They've been selling out as fast as they come in. That is Bob Kroll. He is the president of the Police Officers Federation of Minneapolis. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And uh, so I was mentioning that Minneapolis taking a lot of action to try to keep President Trump from coming. Like, for example, sending him a, a bill that is inflated by more than $500,000 over the same bill they sent uh, President Obama even when you adjust for inflation, and also how they banned police officers from showing up at Trump's rally in uniform. So you have the police union that said, okay, fine, we'll create our shirts, and they started selling them. And you heard Bob, they have taken off, which, by the way, so has been the banned ignorance. So um, every now and then, I, I deal with my frustration through creativity a lot of times, and uh, just, uh, you know, candidly, the one thing above all else, because what, the, the greatest irony in life, and, and I've 
totally believe this to be true. Something my dad actually was telling me from the time I was young. We always think we know more than we do, right? Especially when we're young. But the greatest irony in life, when you begin to realize what goes on in the world, around, the more you know, the more you realize how little you actually know. I mean, if all we did throughout the course of our lives tried to acquire information, it would be so little compared to what actually exists, right? So anyway, the one thing that I don't have any tolerance for is having my uh, intelligence insulted. You know, I, I know what I know, I know what I don't. And by the way, I try to stick to what I know, and that's generally what more intelligent people will do. So when we are, are brought to a point like, for example, is using the gun violence and assault weapons, we get those stories all the time. And I think that is actually what set me off, and I did that whole little parody. I mean, you quite literally cannot have gun violence. Yet these intelligent people in news media, right, where these are all the – they report gun violence. I, I, it is. It's not. A, it does not exist. It's not possible. Assault weapons. Uh, what is a non-assault weapon? I'm so. I, I've asked this question for years now, and if anyone has an example of a non-assault weapon, I'd be curious because again, this would be information that would be new to me, and I'm all about acquiring information. But anyway, so I started Ben um, Ban Ignorance now as a parody a few days ago. And uh, so many people have said they want to join Ben uh, that I uh, might have to do something. My slogan is, are you in on Ben, by the way? That's the, uh, sir, our saying here, ban ignorance now. And uh, yet you all may be charter members. In fact, I have little doubt that if you are here listening to this particular program, you are very much about banning Ben. All right. So uh, one other thing. And uh, this is, is something that, in, in terms of the information flow, was on my radar recently that I thought was kind of interesting to pull up about uh, Hunter Biden. So in the grand scheme of the whole whistleblower thing and everything else that's going on, uh, it is a sideshow. And I didn't want to, earlier on in the show, when I was really talking about what this is about, I did not want to conflate with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden because there is a real deal there. But that's bull crap relative to what... Uh, you know, the, the entire Trump-Russian collusion narrative is about. When we take a look at Hunter Biden, though, there's one little particular note that I've been able to uh, ascertain looking into that situation. Not only is it beyond coincidental that you would have Hunter Biden making $60,000 a month with a Ukrainian energy company, guess who else happens to have worked with a Ukrainian energy company? Oh, it's like Paul Pelosi. Paul Pelosi Jr., that's right, son of Nancy Pelosi. Now, I'm, it's just the next natural thing in life, right? I mean, what American high-ranking Democrat politician doesn't send their offspring to go work for Ukrainian energy companies? I mean, there's never anything to see there. But here's one that didn't. So, again, the most pervasive form of bias in news media is omission, which is why you probably have not heard to this point that Paul Pelosi Jr., Nancy's son, actually worked for a Ukrainian energy company, different one than Burisma, which is where Hunter was. But here's something else to watch. So back in 2014, very fascinating thing happened. Hunter Biden was involved in numerous investment interests with one Chris Hines. Who's Chris Hines? Happens to be the son-in-law of one John F. Kerry, former Secretary of State and Senator. But unlike Paul Pelosi Jr. and Hunter Biden, 
not only did he not want to be involved with the Ukrainian energy companies, he cut off every business relationship he had with Hunter Biden in 2014. This is Chris Hines. And why? Because he said that the Ukraine energy companies were corrupt and he didn't want to have anything to do with it. 2014, Chris Hines, Hunter Biden. And that story is where exactly. But that's all part of banning ignorance now. We're here to inform and to entertain a little bit along the way as well. Two sides to stories, one side of facts. I'll be back with more of them. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. Just because the Supreme Court says one thing doesn't mean that people follow that direction. doesn't mean that we're going to settle for that to be all we deserve in the future. All right. So as you try to figure out what that meant, uh, that is J. Marie Hill. And who is J. Marie Hill, you ask? Well, none other than the trans justice organizer for the ACLU. Yeah, no kidding. There is such a trans justice organizer for the ACLU. Ah, Fascinating, right? Talk about the land of opportunity. Only in the United States of America could you work for the Anti-Civil Liberties Union as a transgender organizer. But uh, so the Supreme Court, the uh, fall session is here. And, of course, the whole gender discrimination case is is right in the, the forefront of things now. What's fascinating, as I've heard so many people say, oh, geez, I you know, I was so worried about the conservative break on the court and uh, we're, we're going to have discrimination that's going to uh, be you know, brought to the entire country. We have some states that have broken away from this horrible bigotry and everything. You know, it's always interesting, um, the slippery slope that people are willing to travel down. And I'll explain. So uh, Brian Mudd, and for the great one, Mark Levin, He is observing Yom Kippur. He'll be back with us tomorrow. People are inclined to look at things through their political prism and uh, in a linear path rather than analytically. Now, one of the things that has been a less popular position of mine, and anybody who knows me uh, understands that I am coming from a place of intellectual purity on this, there's a difference between homosexuality and traveling down a transgender path. And the reason is is pretty straightforward. One, if you take altruistically, we are who we are. Okay? The other, you're deciding what you're going to be at any given time. Now, I know the argument, and, and well, but I've always felt that. Okay, fine. But fact still remains. We're talking about the law. Okay? So when you decide what you are and you're identified, because it's not just a matter of, you know, chemical activity or surgery that might be, whatever. We're in a world where how many genders do we have these days? (laughs) Hard to keep track. Uh, So we have all these genders. We can identify as what we want. And who the hell are you to tell me I'm not what I say I am? So why does this matter in the context of being equitable under the law? These states united, our Constitution, Supreme Court ruling on this case. Well, let's say, for example... Then I get really pissed off at my employer 
and say, you know what? I'm going to show you. You have been calling me Mr. all this time. You've been referring to me in male chauvinistic terms. I'm a chick. I'm Mrs. Mud. And who the hell are you to tell me I'm not? And you've been discriminating against me all these years, all these pent-up feelings and angst. I'm going to show you. I'm going to sue you. Now, if this ends up going down the way to where the folks that uh, occupy positions such as the trans justice organizer for the ACLU, these folks, they, they hope. What I just described to you is absolutely something that a justice hearing that uh, the, the a judge hearing that case in injustice under the law that would be potentially defined as something that an employer would have to deal with. Just make things up as we go. Yeah, it's a little slippery slip. And by the way, about the Supreme Court, uh, here's something else. Talk about being annoyed by intellectual dishonesty and everything. The United States Supreme Court, people always want to boil this down to conservative, liberal, everything else. Truth be told, the court doesn't operate that way and, and generally doesn't in most cases. So, yes, you do have ideological splits. Yes, it's extremely important. Yes, there's no doubt that in some very important cases, we certainly hope we have people that believe in the Constitution and will interpret it as it was written. That being said, so often – whether it's this particular case or others, you hear about conservative, liberals, Kennedy was a swing vote. So I went through the 67 cases that have been decided by this very specific court as it sits now since Kavanaugh went on last year at this time. And out of those 67 cases, how many do you think were 5-4 splits, which is that perceived liberal versus conservative split? Got a number? 67 cases, 5-4 splits, 20 cases, 20, Okay or just under 30% of everything that was heard before the high court over the past year. So here's another way of looking at the Supreme Court. Over 70% of the court's rulings since Kavanaugh joined the bench have been non-ideological consensus rulings. That's one. Now, as for the 20 cases which split on a 5-4 to four line, how many do you think actually split in the way that we are conditioned to think that they're going to split. In other words, the five perceived conservatives appointed by Republicans stay together, and the four perceived liberals appointed by Democrats stay together. Well, in some one case, Republican. The answer is seven. Seven of the 67 cases actually broke along perceived ideological lines, only about 10%. And so, once again, two sides to stories, one side to facts. I don't know how these cases are necessarily going to go. People read the tea leaves. They tell you how they don't buy into it. And let's see what happens and then deal with the ramifications. Let's go to Bob in Savannah. Bob, go. Hello, Brian. Uh, you made a comment earlier about desperate people doing desperate things. And I would, I've heard many conservative commentators talk about the left wanting to undo the election. But I would argue that their behavior started long before that. Because when Trump started talking about draining the swamp, red flags went up on the side of the left. And why is that? I, I think there are two reasons. Um, first, Trump presented a threat to their ability uh, to influence pedal and the ability to ingratiate themselves, <clears throat> excuse me, financially through you know lobbyists and other insider knowledge. 
But the second, and I think the more pervasive issue is Trump posturing of nominating originalist judges and confronting corruption in D.C. represented the potential to unravel decades of progressive achievement through the courts when they couldn't legislate change. So I think you're making comes, a lot of sense. What's that? You're making a lot of sense. And so for their world to completely unravel and for their conflicted, dishonest behavior to be exposed. Thus, desperate people do desperate things. And so they've engaged in what I consider to be premeditated political assassination because the whole attack on Trump began during the campaign, even the, the undercurrent of impeachment. And it, then it really ramped up once he became elected. And so and, what you say is, Bob, it, it, I think is really instructive and very astute. Um, you know, I mentioned that the deep state didn't get there in a day or even in one administration. Look, there's no way. These, these people are largely career people. You know, you, you had the McCabe's, you know, and in, in Rosenstein, Brett, all these, they've been there for a very long time in various different levels, working their way up over the course of time. In some cases, in the same position, going back to the Bush administration as well. And so, uh, and in many cases, even before that, various different government positions. That being the case, you're right, because these people already were of that type of mindset. Because, you, again, you don't go from law-abiding public official trying to do the uh, the the best you can to serve the public interest and uphold the Constitution, the rule of law, everything else, to, all right, we're going to engage in this whole conspiracy against uh, Donald Trump. That is something that's been ingrained, taught, and is extraordinarily, uh, extraordinarily choreographed uh, with those people. Because imagine one person that you can trust, that you bring into that whole conspiracy, you got big problems. So, yes, uh, to everything that you're saying there. And part of destroying Trump is not just, uh, again, to destroy him, to put your people, you, you know, whatever your, your uh, preferred president in, in place would be. It's about threatening anybody who would come into that universe and disrupt it. Because, again, Bush didn't do it. These people existed when he existed. But Trump, yes, an ex- existential threat. You're right. And he spoke about it. You go back and you listen on the campaign trail to a lot of his speeches. He talked very specifically about the level of corruption. And guess what? He would know because he involved himself and many of the political dealings with these people through business. So he knew exactly who a lot of these players were and what he was up against. Now, he might not have known the exact uh, plot or the extent they would go to try to take him down, but he understood what he was getting himself into. Uh, Let's go to Joel. Joel in Lamar, South Carolina. Joel, go. Yeah. Just think term limits is what needs to be placed on Congress. The term limits, that eliminates a lot of all the stuff that we have going on now. No all right. Speaking about that. All right. Uh, term limits is uh, it, it, something that is politically popular and I wish somebody would bring about. Um, our, um, in, here in Florida, uh, we had uh, our former governor, now uh, junior Senator Rick Scott, who ran on term limits. And people uh, said, uh, oh, you know, term limits, that's such bull crap. Well, yeah, it is, un- unless you actually ho- hold politicians accountable to it. One thing I would tell you is, as we are talking about uh, Congress being on a recess right now, let them know that uh, if they've supported term limits, you want to hold them accountable to it because there's one way you can get it, and that is by virtue of having them actually uh, have to own up to what they campaigned on. Again, 
you can vote them out. And if you make them known, make that known to them, uh, they can be accountable to you. Let's go to Ron. Ron in Baltimore. Ron, go. Brian, this is Ron. I have a question that I'd like to see posed to all the congressional Democrats. And that question is, where was their concern about whistleblowers back when the Obama administration was hunting down, harassing, and firing those who revealed the fact that veterans were dying on waiting lists at the VA? I think that this is, uh, this is more than just a matter of innocent hypocrisy. This is a case where there's no more bipartisan concern than the well-being of veterans. And the fact that we have this contrast is an illustration of, of uh, an extreme negation of Nancy Pelosi's pretense that her motives are objective and, and, uh, and true. And Ron, there's a, another addendum to this particular story that is playing out right now. So one of the things that's interesting, uh, we had one of our uh, representatives in South Florida. His name is Brian Mast. He's a w, double amputee, and he uh, – he decided the VA is such a problem, he was going to hold his, uh, his office sessions in district at the VA. And he's done this now for two years, approximately. And it became such a politically popular thing to do here. And he encouraged other representatives that they began holding some office hours, including the Democrats. So we have four different members of Congress who use a local VA in West Palm Beach, uh, for office hours, at least some of the time, the VA is now kicking them out. And when we traced it back to who's involved, we talk about you know so many of these entrenched government officials. Yep, uh, somebody who is a politico from an administration gone by. So even that VA thing is still not a done deal. And as change is being brought about and people are being held to account in in this case, the right thing being done by our veterans by putting pressure on the VA to take care of them, what do they do? Try to get rid of them. It's really quite something. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd Lovin. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, and I think that we've forgotten that that's okay, that we're all different. Well, shut the front door. Ellen is not a bigot, by the way. Ellen DeGeneres, and I'm, how sad, truly sad, have leftists become where Ellen DeGeneres feels the need and, and is put in a position to where she has to come out and answer for why she was sitting at a football game with George W. Bush. How dare you do that? You can't be in his presence. Those people are bigots. Now, one of the things that I am a very big believer in, hitting people between the eyes with information. And I am really, really light on tolerance when it comes to intolerance. So many people... And if you're a conservative, you probably have dealt with this, especially if you're a vocal conservative. Been called a bigot before? Have you actually heard elected representatives, maybe even a former president, refer to you in terms that would uh, perhaps describe you as being a bigot or something nasty? Well, guess what? The definition of bigotry is intolerance toward those who hold different opinions from oneself. Intolerance for those who 
have different opinions. That makes you a bigot. You are not talking. And anyone, all these entertainment writers, all these leftists, who's, who called out Ellen for sitting at a football game with George W. Bush, they're all bigots. That doesn't make me a bad person. That makes me a factual person. Because, again, there are two sides of stories and one side of facts. And so what uh, for the brave among us uh, I would call on you to do is call on bigotry where it confronts you. Don't hold back because people need to know. And it's a fact. It's not a matter of interpretation. If somebody is truly intolerant towards your views, they are bigots. Now, one of the things I did a few years back, my wife made me a cool little sign. It was bigotry. It's just the definition of it. And I would take it around with me. I had it behind me. Uh, if I ended up doing a speech or appearance in public, I would keep it behind me with some of the videos I would do and things like that. And it was fascinating to watch people's reaction. A lot of times I wouldn't even make reference to it. Just bigotry. Noun. Intolerance toward those who hold different opinions from oneself. And what was great is you could very quickly tell the bigots because they were uncomfortable. The people were uncomfortable simply being confronted with what they are. They, the leftists, are the bigots. They are the people who are not tolerant. They are not liberals. They do not believe in freedom. They believe in shutting you down. They believe in their way or the highway. They're not open to information. They're not righteous people. But one thing we have a hard time doing is making them accountable to it. So, good on Ellen. It's so incredibly sad she was put in that position. It is incumbent upon all of us to do our best version of Ellen. But do it factually and hit them between the eyes. Where you are confronted by bigots, call them out for what they are. Make them count. That's the only way that we're going to end up solving some of those problems with information and accountability. And then we sit back and we wait for William Moore and the big accountability, which I'm still a believer in because I'm a believer in this country. Always an honor and a pleasure being with you. Brian Mudden for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark is back with you tomorrow. Be with you next time. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.